Remember you said we can take a stroll around the neighborhood when you got back? Can I get the mail? Yeah. Mom! An eye for an eye isn't just revenge. It helps prevent future crimes. What if there was a champion for the innocent? Someone to deliver the kiss of death to the scumbags out there. You're the man who's been sending me this money. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I have a returning guest. Please introduce yourself, sir. I'm back again. I love my Charles Bronson, just like I like my coffee. Tasteful and full of death. Is this really a Charles Bronson episode, or is this like a like? This is kind of stretching the Charles Bronson Podcast theme. We're doing the movie Death Kiss. And the last podcast we did together, you brought up this movie. We did a a Rawhide episode, and you brought up this movie, and it intrigued me. So we're looking at it now, and I believe this is a 2018 movie? And it's starring a guy called Robert Bronzy? 2018, yeah. Well, he changed his name. I I looked it up because I'm like, wait, who is Bronzy? He changed his name. Because it was like Kovacs or Kozaks, something like that. And this guy looks exactly like Charles Bronson. I mean exactly like Charles Bronson. There are a couple of shots where you swear Charles Bronson has come back from the dead. He looks so much like Charles Bronson. And the guy who directed this movie, uh, damn it, I forgot to write down his name. Uh, The guy who directed this movie... Uh, Rene Perez. Rene Perez. That was the director, Rene Perez. And I think this is basically a soft reboot of Death Wish or the Death Wish movies with this Robert Bronzy starring in it. Yeah, I, that's what I'm guessing because when you watch the movie, they make references to who he is without saying who he is. And. It's it's really weird. Like it's like borderline fan film. And then we look at Rene Perez's like other project that, that the person's been a part of. There's a lot of fan films and and uh her I think it's her yeah. her works. So is this a fan film that just got a big mass release, or is this an unofficial yeah. sequel? It's it's very vague. It's very, very vague. And it is very vague, and the character is not given a name in this movie. He's just known as the stranger. He he, he gives a name. Like she asks, "What can we call you?" And he, she and he does want to give a name. She goes, "What about an initial?" And he goes, "K." Cursey, you know, 
but the name of the character from the Death Wish movies. Uh, he just says the name cursing. That's all you get. So the plot in this movie is razor, razor thin. It's a very repetitive movie. The movie starts off with sex trafficking. Bronson, I'm going to call the character Bronson. I get Bronzy, Bronson. The the Bronzy, Bronson character. He shows up to this rundown shack and there is this giant black man standing outside the shack. And then they start negotiating a, a price because he has an underage girl in there. Hey. here for cheese pizza yeah we heard about this the park you're trolling the park at this hour ain't nothing but junkies and tweakers <laughs> you ain't finna find no pussy out there definitely not no specialty pussy you should just come to me from now on that is if you got the cash nah man I got something extra special in there. You're gonna need to double that at the very least. She's worth it, my guy. Matter of fact, you should just turn back the way you came. Cause once you say something this pure, this young, you'll be ruined. How young? Too young, too sweet. And worth way more than one charging, so. Hold on, boss. There's a customer in there right now. I just heard him finish up. So he'd be out any minute. Just hang out for a little bit. I like your money, man. You need meds? I got uppers, I got downers, I got high quality. So Bronzy is there under the guise of wanting to have sex with her. They're negotiating a price. And uh, let me ask you this. So uh, his voice, the guy who played Bronzy, his voice was dubbed through this whole movie. Am I right about that? Well, I can answer that because I've met the guy in real life. So me and my, my co-host, FRN co-host Chris, we went to Texas Frightmare in 2019. And this guy was here. This guy was there. Because I'm walking to the dealer room where they have all the other actors and like uh, indie films that are, people are promoting and all of that. And I see this guy and I'm like, Chris, that dude looks like Charles Bronson. And he's like, he looks at him like, holy shit, that looks like Charles Bronson. So we walk up to the table and we see, okay, they're promoting Death Kiss. And he's signing autographs. Again, this movie hasn't had a physical media release yet. And so I see the guy. He's just as tall as Charles Bronson is too, because he's he's not a tall guy. I mean, even though his IMDb says he's six foot, he's not six foot. He's got to be wearing lifts. So mm-hmm. I met the guy. I talked to him. He has a normal non-Charles Bronson voice. Uh, he he is in better shape than Charles Bronson. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but he is not that tall. He has a very um, kind of a higher pitched tone than Charles Bronson, despite looking just like the guy. But yeah, I met him in person. I, I stood over him. So <laughs> I know that he's not six foot because I'm six foot. He was shorter than me. Um, really cool guy, really nice. He did the bro hug, really cool guy. 
Um, funny enough, the shot in the movie where he's wearing the black shirt and jeans, that's how he dressed the entire weekend at Texas Friday. <laughs> black shirt and jeans. That's all he wore. Mustache and everything. So, but yeah. Met the guy, heard him, heard how he talked. He was dubbed. So, Brawny, Bronson, Brawny, he knocks out the big black guy and he uh, zip ties him and then he walks into this shack and we see this little girl under the covers and he pulls back the covers and this girl is like 11 or 12 and she has chained to the bed and Bronson just I'm just going to call him Bronson Bronson Bronny if I say Bronson it's I mean Bronny but Bronny sits in the chair takes out a gun and we hear this guy whistling in the other room so there's another guy he's in the bathroom he's cleaning up he just had sex with this 11 year old he walks out sees Bronny sitting there with his gun and Bronny just puts like three in his chest three, you know three in his stomach three in his chest and he walks out and he he doesn't unchain her I don't see him unchain her does he unchain her no we don't see him we just see him taking care of the guy who could have been Jared from Subway could not have been yeah. Jared from Subway so Bronny leaves and when he walks out he puts a couple into the back of the of the black guy who's zip tied on the ground and he just walks away. And I'm guessing maybe he thinks people hear the shots. They'll come running. They'll call the cops. The cops will, you know, release the 11-year-old sex slave that is chained to the bed, which he who he has left there. Yes. And then uh, that that's, I mean, look, when I first saw this movie and I saw that when they opened it with the little girl in there, I'm like, okay, this is, this is either going to be super ridiculous violent or this is going to be parody violent. And because it was a little girl, I was hoping that the guy coming out of the bathroom would have been whistling, like, I Believe I Can Fly, or any one of the R. Kelly theme songs or tunes, just to kind of play into that moment at the time. Didn't happen. I was really disappointed. But still a violent opening. Yep. And then we get the one of the non-famous Baldwins who does narration. Yeah, so we get Daniel Baldwin. He is a radio DJ. And so we get exposition from him throughout the entire movie while he is doing his radio DJ show. And there is actually a connection between Daniel Baldwin and the real Charles Bronson. So I just wanted to ask, have you ever seen the uh, made-for-TV movies that are Family of Cops? I believe there are three of them. Very vaguely. Very. I have to, I would have to rewatch them. So yeah, there were actually three Family of Cops TV movies. And actually the third... Family of Cop TV movie was the last thing Bronson did. That was his last project ever. But in the first one, I don't know if he's in two or three, but I know Daniel Baldwin is actually in the first Family of Cops, and he plays Charles Bronson's son. So we get a connection between Daniel Baldwin and Charles Bronson. And Daniel Baldwin is this right-wing radio host. I mean, when he goes off, he makes, from what the kind of things he says, he makes uh, Tucker Carlson sound like Bernie Sanders. He is just a giant caricature of a right-wing, a far-right-wing radio television host. Yeah, I, and when they pan out and you see like the one little American flag on the microphone stand, I'm like, okay, where's the rest? Because you got to have the whole patriotic getup, you know, the red, white, and blue LEDs. You have to have the whole Twitch stream set up for that. I mean, he has that one little 
flag. I'm like, oh man, he's this is really on a budget. They blew it on Daniel Baldwin. Yeah, they got Daniel Baldwin and then the main bad guy whose name, I forgot to write his name down, goddammit, but uh, we'll talk about him when we get to him. But there are like, there are real actors in this movie. Real actors, real character actors. It's not like a, like a Neil Breen movie where he just hires anybody who can't act. There are real actors and real character actors in this movie. It looks like a real movie. Well, like, well, when I saw the villain, like, I made a joke before I checked the cast. I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like a bootleg version of this guy from this movie. And then I looked up his credentials. I'm like, oh, that is that guy. So, okay, that that kills my joke. So then we cut to this house, uh, this farmhouse, where it's out in the middle of nowhere. And we see that there is a young mother there. And she is with her daughter, who is in a wheelchair. Mother comes home with some groceries. The girl in the wheelchair opens the doors you know they start talking then the the um the little girl wants to go out for a stroll so the mother after she puts all the dinners you know all the groceries away takes her out and starts pushing her around the yard wait do we get there do we get the airport scene that comes after the airport scene comes after but we get the scene where the mom pushes the daughter up to the mailbox she wants to check the mailbox they go to the mailbox they pull out this huge envelope of money and they start counting it right there. And the mom says to herself, how did he find us? And then we cut to a scene where Bronson is looking through this telescope. He's in a car parked uh, you know, a ways away, looking through his telescope, making sure they got the money. So it's obvious that uh, Charles Bronson, Bronzy, is giving this woman and her daughter, he's the one supplying the money to them. The mom is like Kim Kardashian, ordered from Wish. You know, buy two, get one free. Because there's, there's another girl that looks like she was a Kardashian that they bleached her hair blonde. I don't want to say I'm the smartest guy in the room, but when this certain plot twist happened, I called it. The minute I heard this uh, amount of information, we were given a little bit amount of information. Once I heard it, I was able to call this plot twist. Saw it coming a mile away, wondering if, if you saw it coming too. I did. So now we get to the drug deal. And it's uh, Charles Bronson, Bronzy. He's walking around in a nice three-piece suit and a coat. We come upon these drug dealers, and one of them gets a phone call. It's like, we got to go pick up these drugs. And then the other drug dealers count money. It's like, we don't have enough money. How are we going to pay for these drugs? And then Bronson walks around the corner, and the drug dealers look at Bronson, and they're like, hey, man, you lost? Like, yeah, I am. I'm lost. He, he does, he does yeah. do a joke. He, he does kind of do a punchline, which... Uh, if you've seen Death Wish, I think three is the one where he goes like, "I'm making a ham sandwich." Um, he 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 does the joke here where uh, the, he he said he's looking to buy. He goes, "Well, how much you got? I got six, six dollars. <laughs> no, six bullets." <laughs> and he does something which I thought was very <clears throat> excuse me, very clever. Is he robs the drug dealers? He takes the money, but he also takes their rings and their necklaces and their watches. He takes them all off their body to make it look like a robbery. Like, it's not a vigilante. It's like maybe a drug dealer killed another drug dealer. I thought that was a clever move. And then we see him. He walks towards uh, this homeless guy who's warming himself on one of those barrels that have a fire in it. And I'll, this is a movie cliche because I have never seen one of those barrels with a fire brewing in them. Now, granted, I, uh, lucky enough, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had to... Uh, warm myself with a fire outside but i believe this is just a true movie cliche where homeless people are gathered around a barrel and warming themselves 
Well, he puts the money in his pocket and then he starts throwing the chains and the watches and the watches into the fire so it can't be traced back to him. And he's about to get rid of the phone when a text comes through and he reads the text and he says, hey guys, I'm at the airport. I really got to shit this stuff out. Where are you? Yeah, his stomach's hurting. He's gonna, his stomach hurts. He's got to get it out of the system. And this is probably, th- this is where I, I don't know what time period this takes place in because that's obviously a smartphone that, that he checks the phone on. But the airport is one of the most relaxed 1970s airports around because there's no metal detectors. There's no locking doors, nothing. And he just walks in. He just walks right in. We know he's packing. Because I actually thought Bronson, Bronny, whatever, was going to pull a gun out and shoot the guy in the airport because the security was so laxed. Lax. Yeah, but he walks in. He sees this guy. He walks over to him. Um, this guy, he's sick. He's, you know, he's sweating. You can tell that he's having stomach problems. And Bronson walks over to him and flashes him a wad of cash. And this guy staggers up and he staggers over to Bronny. And he's like, I don't know you. And then Bronson, Bronny, just punches him in the stomach, which ruptures the bags of drugs which he has in his stomach or in his, wherever he ha- you know, in his coat, wherever it is. And the guy just starts foaming at the mouth. He falls over, and then uh, Bronny just walks away and leaves him there. It, it, it was like, it, like, like this. This guy looked like he runs probably like a bowling alley, like on the side when he's not dealing drugs. This is like your greasy Simpsons esque looking drug dealer guy, like works for Fat Tony, and yeah, takes one punch to the gut and just kills over and starts foaming at the mouth. It was. It was a good effect, but at the same time, this is most this is the most relaxed, unpopulated airport I've ever seen, and that's what that that kind of kept getting in my mind. Like, where's everybody at? This is like what yeah. seven p.m. on a on a weekday night, and this place isn't busy. No security, no metal detectors, no cameras, nothing, no front desk stewardess. Come on now. Then we cut back to Daniel Baldwin. He's in the radio station again, and he's doing another spiel about how he got pulled over and had a ticket on the way to work while people are smuggling drugs into the country. You know, where where are the police? Why are they after him for speeding when they should be after these drug dealers? Another right-wing right rant. Then after that, we go back to the house where the woman and her daughter lives, and we see this homeless guy. He's walking down the road and he's going through their garbage, you know, picking out trash. And then we see him go to their mailbox and he steals their mail. And in the mail is another package of money. And then we cut to Brawny, who's in a car, sees the guy do it, gets out of the car, walks up to him, and just lays out this homeless guy, you know, punches him out. He gave him a three-piece meal. He gave him like two punches to the face and one in the stomach. And this hobo went down. He takes off running. I mean... You think there was food flying around the way he took off running? It, it was. He's got to protect his money or his stolen money, or money, I don't know how he he didn't make that much money the night before. That was a stack. I think that's just an accumulation of money that he has stolen from all these punks and drug dealers or whoever that he's killed, and now he, he's just he waits till there's enough and then he gives it to her. He's sort of Robin Hooding it, if you will. True, but. We saw him rob, what, two people the night before? They didn't have that much on him. So it's it's weird. It's really weird. 
So Brawny, Bronson, he picks up the money, he takes it back, he puts it back in the mailbox, and while he's doing this, the woman who lives in the house sees him, runs up to the mailbox, and confronts him. She's like, you're the one who's been giving me the money. And he's like, no, it's not me. Uh, I'm just a delivery man. And she doesn't believe him, and they go back and forth for a little bit. And then she does eventually invites him in for a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, she brings him in for a cup of tea. Try, I guess she's trying to probe who he is or works for or whatever. He's not, he, he's not giving anything away. And he's, like, he's literally giving like one or two word answers. No, I need to leave. It's time. This was good. That's it. Straight to the point. And she's carrying the conversation. And honestly, if I were talking to her, if I were her husband and I was talking to her too, I'd probably run away as well like her like her <laughs> husband did as well. I'd probably book out of there too. So, yeah, she – total California girl talking. Very annoying. Yeah, and then he leaves without really saying anything. And the mom is like, you know, my daughter calls you her fairy godmother. <laughs> that's yeah, that that that's no, that that's dumb. So we cut to a barn, and this is a barn full of uh, scumbags. And there's three villains in here, and they actually actually there's four villains, and three of the villains are holding uh, this other villain and the head bad guy. And I forget, I forgot to write his name down. I don't know the name of the head bad guy. His name is, because I've, I, 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 don't, I don't remember what his exact name is. Oh, Richard Tyson. I'm like, oh, that guy looks like a bootleg version of the villain from Kindergarten Cop. I'm like, okay. I'll look up the credits. I'm like, oh, crap. That is the guy from Kindergarten Cop. That is him. I mean, he hasn't, he, he's aged pretty well if this was 2018. I mean, he looks like he did in Kindergarten Cop. So the three other bad guys are holding this one bad guy, and they're starting to, they want to rough him up. Uh, the, this third guy, fourth guy, I believe his name was Tommy. He was supposed to get rid of a witness of, um, uh, what was uh, the main uh, bad guys? What was his name in the movie? Tyrell. Tyrell, yes, Tyrell. And this guy, Tommy, was supposed to get rid of a witness. So Tyrell's son wouldn't go to jail, but this guy didn't get rid of a witness. So now Tyrell's son is going to jail for the rest of his life. And so he gives him the opportunity. He goes, hey, we got this guy. Well, I'm not going to use the explicitive he used. We got yeah. this guy. He's like taped and like roped up and chained to a chair, bag over his head. Uh, you want to prove your worth? You want to prove you're a man? You're a tough guy? Kill this guy. He goes, with what? Give me a gun. He goes, no, no. Use his bat. And so... And when I saw that, I'm like, I'm, I totally knew that was somebody, that was not the person he was talking about. That was somebody that Tommy knew. That was somebody important in Tommy's life. Because, yeah, he says, yeah, it's just some N-word. Which, I was shocked. It's like 2018, we're using, we're using language like that in 2018. But then I thought, okay, well, that is something the character would say. In that position, and that is something that totally that that character would say to Tommy at that moment to get him to do what he wants him to do. If it's the character, but it's also the area like this, the town that they're in is supposed to be like at what in a Wisconsin town or like a Montana, like somewhere up north. And so I'm like, okay, this is really kind of going backwards with that word, but 
okay, sure. They, they, they have to make this a bad guy. He's got to be a bad guy. And bad guys do, I guess, bad things. Let, let, let's go with it. Because at first he goes, Tyrell threatens his wife. He's like, well, does something happened to that pretty little wife of yours? And then I, at first I thought it might be her, but the person under there was, was too big and, and, and too bulky to be his wife. But so then I knew it would be uh, it would be somebody else in his life. So Tommy just takes the bat, just goes to town on this guy, and when he gets done, Tyrell pulls the hood back, and it's his dad, Tommy's dad. Yep, shocker, it's his dad. But that's not all. That's not all. This is show how bad Tyrell really is. Henchman number one, who I'll just call a uh, um, uh, trash, because that's. He didn't really do anything. Uh, goes behind, I think his name is Billy, and uh, basically puts like his arm around him to kind of choke hold him into place. While his other henchman, let's call uh, Bootleg Blade, with all the piercings and tattoos and everything, yeah, White Blade, White <laughs> Blade. Yeah, the, oh, geez, that guy looked terrible. Uh, brings out his wife. Not just his wife, but it's like they had, they had to countryfy her up. Daisy Duke shorts, the, like the, the jean... A button-down shirt that's like half ripped open already, and he's like, "I'm gonna rape her in front of you, and then when I'm done, they're gonna enjoy her too, you know, because we're bad, we're the bad guys." Yeah, so we get rape boobs. Yes, which they were nice. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> they were nice. So Tyrell, he's going to town on his wife, and then all of a sudden, Bronzy comes in and starts shooting up the place, and at one of the henchmen are holding up Billy. And he's like, hey, if you shoot me, if you shoot Billy, or, you know, if you shoot me, you'll shoot this guy. And Bronzy, Bronzy's like, I don't know him. And he shoots him. He shoots Billy. And then he shoots the guy, and he goes down. And then there's, a, like, a gunfight. And um, and Tyrell gets hit in the arm. Yeah, he gets hit in the arm, I believe. And he goes down. And then White Blade... So there's this... They're in this junkyard somewhere... And White Blade gets outside, so there's this very long chase scene between Brawny and White Blade as they're running through this junkyard, through these cars. And you really don't want two middle-aged men running in an action movie. And they actually slow it down. It's in slow motion. So, I don't know, maybe it makes it better, I don't know, maybe it makes it worse, maybe it makes it more comical. But you really shouldn't have two middle-aged men, especially in slow motion, running in an action movie. But it's it, like this scene, I think, was way too long. This was like a good 15, 20 minute scene. It was way too long. And it was in like a junkyard farm field, at, like out in the other north somewhere. And if you've ever watched a Charles Bronson movie, he knows how to shoot. He could hit. He's supposed to be like a, like a former uh, marksman. So he's supposed to be able to shoot. These people were, these are like kids playing Call of Duty. They couldn't hit anything. Yeah, they were like stormtroopers. They're, they're winging it. They're like missing everywhere. They, they keep getting to jump on each other from opposite ends. It was just terrible. But I think the funniest part is that this, again, this is supposed to be up north. This is supposed to be like in Minnesota or Michigan or, or uh, whatever. All the car plates had California plates. Because they zoom in on one of the plates. I'm like, wait, that's supposed to be, that's not supposed to be in California. Because of the airport. I mean, you know, lacks rules and stuff. But, oh man, this gunfight chase scene it it was bad so bronson brawny finally hits white blade 
and White Blade goes down, and he's just on the ground writhing and playing. He's like, just finish me off! Well, oh, no, you're, you're, you're leaving out a part where what? Bronson, with the miracle of Detroit Steel Automotive, picks up a door, uses it as a shield to prevent machine gun fire <laughs> to hit the guy in both the leg and in the stomach. Yeah, he Captain America's that shit. He does. You know, because, you know, Detroit Steel, that's also bulletproof, mm-hmm. is not heavy at all. So he gets him on the ground, he points his gun at him, he doesn't finish him off, and then he goes back and then he gets the rape victim. He gets Billy's wife and brings her back. And I'm like, why is she still there? Why would you not run away? Um, I guess the power of bronzy compels her because here's the thing you know your husband's been shot your father-in-law's been beaten to death you've just been raped and you have a chance to get out of there and you stuck around for like a half hour yeah she stays there for for however long that lame-ass gunfight was she stood around she she stayed there doesn't make any sense so bronson drags her out and gives her a gun he's like shoot her and she's like i can't shoot him and then white blade from the grounds like come on shoot me bitch shoot me oh oh yeah so yeah i i wrote in my notes this this scene too because again i was like why so basically i put uh uh where is that t- tattooed henchman sh- oh yeah okay so leading up to bronzy with the car i put tattooed henchman with shades tosses shades to walk in mud to shoot gun because you know you have to have that slow motion scene uh tattooed henchman is on audio replay for 10 minutes shoot me you whore before she finally shoots him so now bronzy bronzy takes the gun and he says like now i believe you that you won't say anything because now he has the murder weapon with her fingerprints on it yeah the, the murder weapon even though the other two bullets in that guy's body belong to a different gun so you know medical experts in that area run like their airports not well yeah because she's gonna get questioned her father-in-law is dead her husband is dead the police are gonna come to her the police are gonna question her she's gonna have to say something she's gonna have to come up with something so this is just just all kind of all kind of stupid and then so now we cut to the scene where tyrone tyrone is now back at his ex-wife's house he goes over there just to get he, he doesn't he doesn't have anywhere to go so that's where he goes and he you know he wants her to help him lay low for a while well i i do like this little like the little, the little detail on this because tyrell i guess because he can't go to a hospital his arm is wrapped in duct tape i thought okay that makes sense if you're mm-hmm. on the run don't want to draw the suspicion to yourself but you need to plug a hole or plug a wound duct tape it that makes sense so you, you got to do what makes it what, what makes it work but I, I did laugh at the drugs that he pulled out to give to his ex-wife they look like gumballs he, he gives her the one line which which really popped me and which really got me laughing was uh when she goes i've been clean for so long it took me a long time to get clean and he's like bitch you couldn't even be clean with the power washer like, oh <laughs> well, okay that was good that was pretty good i mean kindergarten cop got gotcha. you so now we cut back to the woman's house, and he's there, and he gives her more money. And she invites him to lunch, and he agrees. But before he goes into lunch, he sees these coyote tracks. 
and he goes out to his car to get something, and he comes back in with this uh, keyboard case. And then he sits down, and then he starts eating lunch, and then the woman goes starts to tell him on how they got in this situation and why her daughter is crippled. I used to make bad life choices, as they say. I was a party girl. I liked drinking and getting high. And I guess now they, they're finally here in person. You should know the truth. It might make you want to stop sending us money. And you hear what I did. But I always said if I ever met you, I'd tell you. So you know exactly who you're being so charitable with. You send us this money because you think we're victims of circumstance. My daughter being paralyzed by a random bullet. But, well, the truth is, I was on my way to my dealer's house. I had Isabel with me because I was an irresponsible mother. And before we could knock on the door, we heard gunshots from inside. My dealer was involved in a shootout with some people inside. We turned to run away, but a bullet went through the door and hit my little girl in the spine. She'll never walk again. That's my fault. An accident. I wish I could believe that. Yes. Yo, so she went to buy drugs, she had her daughter with her, she gets to the house, there's a gunfight, a bullet comes through the front door, hits her daughter in the spine, now she is paralyzed for life. And once I heard that, it all clicked, I figured it out. I figured out what the big twist was going to be at the end of the movie. And, spoiler alert, I'll tell you here right now. So it was Bronzy who was in the drug house shooting out with her drug dealer. And so a bullet came through. So the reason the girl is crippled is because Bronzy was there doing, you know, trying to bust up this drug house. I know we sort of maybe spoiled it, but if you if you were watching this movie and you saw that scene, you would know exactly where that scene was heading to. And it headed exactly where it was supposed to. It's just really, they just really spell it out for you once you see that scene. And he's been hunting for Tyrell for years, apparently for years. Yeah, so he's been hunting Tyrell ever since because Tyrell was her drug dealer. He's hunting other punks, but Tyrell is at the top of his list. He's He's been after Tyrell for years. And it was, so that was like triggered something to me. It's like back at the scene where he interrupts the rape and Bronzy shows up, I'm like, how the hell did he know? How the hell did he know where to go? Well, we're going to find out that later in the movie. That was maybe kind of a twist that you didn't see coming, but we're going to find out how he knows where Tyrell is all the time. Well, he finishes his lunch, and then we get a slow motion scene, because in the uh, keyboard case, which he brought in, there was a shotgun, and he's going to teach her how to shoot the shotgun, because now she can shoot the coyotes on her property. And once again, we have this long, drawn-out, slow motion scene 
where he's showing her how to use the shotgun. And he's used, they must hate bottles of soda because he's using bottles of soda to teach her how to shoot this shotgun. Well, is it called pop up there? Isn't it called pop? Yeah, so they're, they're blowing up two liters of pop. After this, isn't this where like we, we get to the restaurant robbery? Almost, almost. Right before that scene, we see there is a short dream sequence where the mother is dreaming that her daughter can walk. But then after that, we cut back to the city, and we saw this shot at the beginning of the movie. It's like there's overhead, I guess it might have been a helicopter shot, <clears throat> excuse me, overhead shot of the city, and uh, they must have spent money on this picture, on this uh, shot, because it is used like three times in the picture, this overhead shot of the city. Well, Bronson is walking around the streets, and he sees this guy take a gun that was hidden in a dumpster, and so he follows this guy, and this guy is actually going to hold up a restaurant, so Bronzy follows this guy uh, to the restaurant to stop him from robbing the restaurant. And I'll just say, that this scene is what kind of gets me, just because of how inaccurate this movie has been so far. <laughs> so this guy's, this restaurant's getting robbed, this guy walks in. This guy looks like he's got the hairline from Insane Hammer back in the '90s. Sides all cut. Got the got the bow rock from Street Fighter haircut going down. Tries to rob a price. Bronzy shows up. Guy takes off running. Bronzy walks after him. This guy runs in the middle of a giant football field. Bronzy just stands there, and from about 20 miles away, pulls out his pistol, shoots the guy down. Have you ever seen Dirty Harry? Yes, I have. Okay, that scene is lifted directly from Dirty Harry. In that movie, Dirty Harry, the bad guy runs out onto a football field and Dirty Harry mows him down from like 20 miles away. That is an exact lift from Dirty Harry. But we just saw a scene where he couldn't even hit somebody from seven feet away with the multiple shots. And they were both running. And the other guy was running too. It's like either he's a great aim or he's a terrible aim. Which one is it? Which one is it? What we forgot to say is there was a scene at the mother's house where the daughter is there, and the mother told the daughter that her fairy godmother had been there, and the daughter says he's probably doing this because he loves you. And that puts the seed in the mother's head that maybe this is why he is doing it, which leads to our next scene where Bronson, Bronzy comes over, and she's standing there, and he walks in, and she takes off her top, and she's like, I know this is what you want. I know this is why you're doing this for us. And Bronzy is like, this is not what I want. This is not why I'm doing this for you. And he just turns around and leaves. Well, like before he can even finish saying the word no, she's already covering back up. And it's like, well, I can see where the plastic ended with this bootleg Kardashian. He says no. She, she's, she's already covered back up. She's got her robe on. She's got her yoga pants back on. And he's already out the door. And I'm like, oh. That was that was that was her that was her cameo that was her extra five hundred buck cameo was that? Uh, you see something like that and you're like, well, why did you get? Well, okay, I can see why she got naked in this movie because it's sort of like a real movie. It looks like a real movie. There's real actors in this movie. You see some movies and you're like, oh my god, why did you take your top off? Why did you get naked for this movie? And I guess I can kind of see why she got naked. For this movie, as I just said, kind of a real movie, real actors. I believe you said that the director was a woman. I looked it up. I have to kind of re to, to go back on that. The director is a man, um, and again, but and he has done a lot of uh, like fan fiction movies, like a lot of fan movies. 
that, that he wanted to do. And I'm looking at his thing and a lot of it's just like movies that you would see um, blockbuster that, that you never knew existed and some fan films too. Like, I think there's an alien fan film. There's a predator fan film. So this guy probably has a lot of money, likes to make movies that he likes and hopes that he can make a big one day. And I respect that he's making movies that he wants to make and he's doing it. And these, like I said, these look like real movies. looks like it was shot on film it's not a Neil Breen or a Tommy Wiseau where it's just this big vanity project. It's none of that. He's just out making movies that he wants to make. And good for him. Let's see. Now we go back We go back to Daniel Baldwin in the radio station. And I was wondering because he had disappeared from the movie for a little bit. But now we're back and he's doing his, his right-wing spiel again. And then Bronson, Brawny comes in. And now you realize, oh, they're working together. Uh, Daniel Baldwin, so how Bronzy knows where everybody is at, he's getting that information from Daniel Baldwin. How Daniel Baldwin gets that information, we don't know. But it turns out, and maybe he's getting this for all you know the bad guys we've seen him take down in this movie, he's getting that information from Daniel Baldwin. Yeah. Well, I mean, leading up to that moment, like when Daniel Baldwin has his, I guess, rants, we'll see somebody behind the scenes like pushing buttons, pulling levers up, you know, like, like a, what do you call it? A, a producer, someone yeah. doing producer work, but we never see who it is because it's not Daniel Baldwin doing it because he's on his rant, but we see somebody else doing producer type uh, actions behind the camera and we don't know who it is. And then we finally see who it is when they walk out and he's like, Oh, I finally, I hope you finally get him." And we, we see the, the um, helper, I guess you can call it mm-hmm. like kind of like the warriors type level helper. So, yeah, and at this point, Brawny Bronson does another terrible, terrible joke. Daniel Baldwin tells him where Tyrell is, and Daniel Baldwin goes, Don't miss him this time. And Brawny goes, Don't worry, we won't. And Daniel Baldwin goes, We? And he goes, Yeah, me. And he opens up his coat and he shows him the gun and him. Was, uh, it was bad. It was a bad joke. And. And then we, we jump we jump scenes uh, to where Tyrell has who, who was that guy like a witness or a he was one of his guys but he stole from Tyrell so Tyrell is making an example of him that you shouldn't steal from him so we we, we see one we see one of its henchmen <clears throat> he's got him chained up in the Rocky Mountains somewhere where it's snowing it's a peaceful environment and he's chained this guy up he's got him like uh, like a mouth taped shut and he covers them with barbecue sauce after giving him a long speech about how far away wolves and bears can smell because you know bears and wolves love barbecue sauce they love it you know, yogi bear made that famous yeah. apparently wouldn't honey be better or maybe blood like shoot him or cut him get an open wound get blood flowing get that smell out in the air get the blood flowing and if you yeah. have and if you have to use like a seasoner or something like that why don't you use honey mustard because at least it's got mm. honey in it. Bears yeah. love honey. I mean, at least get something right. I mean, I think the only thing they use was like Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. And that's good. But this is for the wilderness. And Brawny, Bronson shows up again. And he is dressed exactly like Charles Bronson from Death Wish 2. All dressed in black. The knit hat. I'm exactly like Bronson from Death Wish 2. Well, like, well, he makes a, he makes a joke. That, so the Tyro goes... 
you know, he, like, cause he, he pours the guy, he pours barbecue sauce over the guy and he goes, um, here, let's get out of here before the predator shows up and bronze and bronze. He jumps out from behind a tree. I'm here already. Bam. And takes out one of the henchmen and come on, at least aim a few more shots. But then we have another 45 minute slow motion shootout in the forest. Which again, Bronzy is back at level one shooting, <laughs> and he can't hit anything except trees and rocks. And it's just, uh, again, these action scenes are not good. And I don't know if the guy, the guys they got were like extras from Sons of Anarchy, but that's what it felt like. They got Sons of Anarchy or Mayans extras <laughs> for this scene. It's it's just bad. It's just really bad. Well, he eventually kills the other henchmen. And the guy who was chained to the tree, he's actually collateral damage. He gets shot. I don't know if Bronzy did it or Tyrell did it, but he gets shot. So Bronzy cleans up everybody, and he eventually captures Tyrell. And he does to him what Tyrell did to his guy. He chains him to a tree, and he douches him with barbecue sauce. But before he does that, we have a, it's actually, we have a scene which is right out of Death Wish 4. Because Tyrell is like chained to the tree and he's talking to Bronze. He's like, why the fuck are you trying to kill me? This is like the third time you've tried to kill me. And then we get the big exposition dump. As we said before, if you've seen this movie, if you've seen any movie, you knew this was coming about an hour ago. Three times. I don't even know who the fuck you are. Remember the first time? The first time what? First time you tried to kill me? Yeah. You shot up my house. Killed two of my friends. I barely escaped it. You were selling drugs out of that house. I'm not Jesus. Maybe I was. That's my job, asshole. While you and I were shooting at each other, one of our bullets went through your front door. Maybe my bullet, maybe yours. I don't know. The bullet hit this little girl. She's paralyzed now. I don't even know who she is. We both deserve to die. My day will come soon. It's only a matter of time. Bronzy is like, we were in a shootout at your drug house and one of the bullets went through the door and hit this little girl and he holds out the picture of the little girl and Tyrell looks at her and says I don't even know her which is the exact line the villain from Death Wish 4 said so this is an exact lift from Death Wish 4 but 
one of the things I did like about this scene is as Bronson sort of dousing him with barbecue slaws, he's he's not begging. He's sort of more irritated. He's like, oh, come on, man. What are you doing, man? Come on. So it's somewhere between being irritated and begging what he's doing at the end of this scene. But then we get some National Geographic stock footage. Like, it's okay. So we get stock footage of a wolf growling, but the wolf is already bloodied. There's already blood on the wolf already. And he hasn't even attacked Tyrell yet. Yeah, Tyrell looks at the wolf, and the way they cut it, it makes it look like the wolf is just like three feet away from Tyrell. Yeah. It's 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 like the worst. You couldn't find other images of like wolves jumping on rocks close by, or wolves in the mountains, like, you know, coming closer. That would have made more sense. But this is like a super close-up of a wolf growling, and you can see the blood smearing on the side of the wolf's head. So the wolf is already eaten, is already eaten, or is maybe he ate the other guy you know that was chained to the tree maybe he ate him first before he ate tyrell he's covered in barbecue sauce that's not blood yeah maybe that was barbecue sauce that was all on his on the wolf's face so so before he goes bronzy takes the picture little girl and he takes a knife and he sticks it to the tree right in front of tyrell which i don't understand because from the scene before we talk, uh, Daniel Baldwin and Bronzy, they're talking to each other, and they're like, there's only a matter of time before we get caught doing this. So I guess they're trying to take out as many bad guys as possible before this happens. But this, to me, is limiting his ability to take out bad guys, because even though they're in the forest, even though in the middle of nowhere, bodies get discovered. So if people come out there and they see that picture to the tree, you know, stuck to the tree, that's going to start questions, you know, and that may bring that woman and her child into the investigation, which Bronzy wants to avoid. So, I mean, I know, he, you know, he stu- I guess he was stuck in the tree so Tyrell could look at that picture before he died. It was for dramatic effect. But if it was in real life, it was just it was just a, a stupid thing to do. It, it, it was it was a really I get the sentimental ending to it, but it didn't it, it, it felt in this day and age. It felt forced because the timeline for that, which means that that's 2018, that's incriminating evidence. That that's that's just evidence that you're leaving behind. It just doesn't make sense for someone who wants to stay under the radar. That's not. That's really not. So, <clears throat> and then and then yeah, the movie ends. Yeah. Then we cut back to the house, and the mother and the daughter are there, and she gets another bundle of money. And then we cut to Bronzy walking around the city in his three-piece suit. And then the movie ends. And then we get, st- we get the credits. And that is uh, Death Kiss. Yeah, that was Death Kiss. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, like yeah, I was watching this. And I used to read comics a, lo- a while back. I haven't read them in a while. But this movie felt to me like this was a script for a Punisher movie. Especially with, like, his helper helping him out, giving him leads. Because in the in the other Death Wish movies, he didn't have a helper. He didn't have a. He was a businessman by day, vigilante by night. The, the, there was a big difference of his personality switch from what architecture in the morning to murdering at night. Big difference. This one, he was living in a rundown crack house. He was squatting in a crack house. He was robbing people for money. This felt like a Punisher script to me. It did. Place him with Punisher. And you replace the DJ with microchip, you've got a Punisher story. And that's kind of what it felt like. Uh, 
which would make more sense of him planning out people he's attacking. Like those two guys who were bringing in the drug mule, he already knew who he already knew who they were, but we didn't know who that he knew that. But if he was Punisher, then was like, oh yeah, okay, he already knows who they are because Punisher does his research. We we know that. That's what I felt. And then when I looked at the director's other movies, like he did a Snake Eyes fan film, he did an Alien fan film. I'm like, okay, this might have been a Punisher script that he just flipped into a Death Wish semi sequel esque side story with Guy K. Um, that happened that he made. So. And it's an okay movie. It's an okay action movie. If you're a Charles Bronson fan, uh, you might get a kick out of seeing this, seeing him play homage to Bronson, get to see Bronson one one more time. But but well, of course, I, I think he made a couple a couple of movies with this guy. One of the movies is like he did a series called uh, Dead Man and the Dead and the Damned. He did a few movies with that. There's one called uh, From Hell in the Wild West. Uh, where this guy plays a cowboy or this guy plays, you know, a, a killer hunter. So he's he's got work, you know, that that's nothing to, to be, you know, to be ashamed about or anything. So no. he's finding work. That's great for him. And like I said before, this is an OK. This is a B movie. It looks like a movie. You can tell that there was direction. They have good actors in there. I mean, you got a couple of bad actors in there. The henchmen, they were pretty bad actors, but. I thought the guy, Bronzy, or Kovac, whoever, whatever he's going by now, I thought he did a good job as Charles Bronson. You got Daniel Baldwin, you got the main bad guy, the, the lead woman. I thought they, they were all good actors, and they all did a good job. They are. They definitely are. And I have the physical copy of this movie because, uh, again, at the time when I bought it, that was, the only way to, that, was, that was the only way to watch it, was to buy the DVD. Now... I think I saw it on Vudu for like rentals, like one ninety nine to rent it or buy it. I think is like six dollars. It's fairly cheap now to watch it. If it's not on YouTube for free, if it's not on YouTube, it'll probably end up on YouTube eventually. But uh, yeah, so it's an okay movie. It's I wouldn't. I think we both agree. It's sort of it, you know, it's a pretty good okay movie. If you're a Charles Bronson fan, you might you know it'll tickle you to watch it. I wouldn't go out of my way to go and try and find it, but if you come across it, uh, maybe uh, maybe pick it up and uh, and and give it a watch because obviously this guy, the director, he loves Charles Bronson and he loves the Death Wish movies, so he you know making this movie in his honor was kind of a cool thing. It definitely is. I mean, if you're a completionist who loves everything Charles Bronson or a Death Wish completionist. Uh, and you actually own that Bruce Willis remake. Add this to your collection just to have, just to have it. Definitely is. And the the actor Kovacs or whatever his name is going by now, I know he's doing conventions. So if you go uh, to a horror movie convention or, or a comic book convention, you'll probably run into him. Yeah, because he's he's doing a lot of them. Uh, I remember I saw because I started following him on I think Instagram, and he is promoting conventions everywhere, Texas. Uh, Florida, California, Philadelphia. So he's he's all over the place. So if you want to meet him, meet him. But just remember, he's not six foot. He's shorter than that. I'm trying to think now of like, have I ever met anybody or been up close to somebody who is around the height that they're billed as? And I think the only one I could think of is Ryan Reynolds because he is tall. Ryan Reynolds is 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 six one or six two, and I've stood up to him, and yeah, he is taller than me. So. I'll say he's probably the only one that I know that is the height that he's built as. 
Uh, he's not tiny like Danny Trejo or, uh, or uh, Robert Kovacs is, but uh, he is a tall person. So I will, I will say that, that uh, Ryan Reynolds is a tall person. All right, that's it. Aaron, what do you want to promote? All right, check out my podcast that I'm on with uh, my homeboy Chris at Front Row Negative. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. You can find us on Apple iTunes, no, Apple, Apple Podcasts. We're on Podbean, Stitcher. If it's connected to Podbean, then I link our site or link our episodes to that. We're on YouTube as well. Um, we do unboxing videos or figure review videos. I know I just put one up the other day with Chris reviewing a uh, Funko Mankind Mystery Lunchbox that he picked up. And so we try to be pretty active. Uh, I know he's doing a hiatus because he just had a kid uh, recently. He's being a, he's a brand new father, so he's taking care of that. Uh, so I'm handling everything down with FRN. So that's where you can find all of us at. We got merch. We got all the cool stuff. All right. And both of our podcasts can be found on Cross the Stream Media. I got to mention that because if not, Dwayne will kill me. So, yes, Cross the Streams Media, Dwayne, uh, go follow uh, Three Beers and a Mic. Go follow Bernard Petit. And go follow uh, Three Beers and an MCU, name patent pending. Crossroads Media, there's a plenty of podcasts there. Uh, I know Deep Dive Into a Dive Bar is one of the newer ones, I think. Uh, so go check them out as well. Just like enjoy that link, enjoy the website, and uh, you'll find something that you might like. Yes, there's a nice variety of podcasts on there. So I'm sure you'll find something that you like. CrossTheStreamMedia.com. And that's it. So, I want to thank my guest, Aaron. Thank you for doing this, and we'll see everybody here next time on the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. My only question is, how are we going to pay? We need like 500 more. What we need to do is hit something. You lost, sir? Yeah. We can help you out. How much money you got? Six. Six dollars? Bullets. has been a Cross the Streams media podcast.